I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. And a special edition of Talking Points, that we are now into the fourth quarter of That's... 2020. We have our adult Bible study guides here. We actually here. completed, we just completed a whole quarter of Talking Points. Yes, we did. And now we're and starting a new And it was such a, a strain on you that you had to get glasses, I guess. <laughs> well, actually, I've had a little issue with my eye, and so I've decided to give my contacts a rest and put the glasses back in play. And either way, I can see That's clearly... You look more credible. Is that what it is? Yeah. I'm glad no one thinks I'm copycatting Mark Howard. No, because there can be no copying that. But uh, our quarter topic this time is one word. Education. That's right. And uh, before we get into this week's lesson, there's an introduction that we should look at. That gives us kind of an overview of where we're going for this whole quarter. Now, do you want to start with prayer and then get into that? So let's do do that that very thing. Why don't you start with a word of prayer and then we'll get into this introduction. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're just thankful for the privilege we have of knowing you and your son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Lord, as we study through this lesson and the intro to this whole quarter on education, we just pray that the Holy Spirit would guide our understanding and guide our study that it would be profitable for us and it would help us to be better equipped as individuals and to better equip especially our young people who are in that process of education uh, to finish your work in this earth. We ask and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Of course, we're in the process of education too. Yeah, there's no end to it until we see Jesus and even then But when we talk about Christian education, we're talking a lot about training up our young people. Well, let's talk about what we're talking about. If you yeah, go to pages two and three of the standard paging for the uh, adult Bible study guide, you have a two-page introductory comment there that starts with a passage from Proverbs 9.10. Well, the, let's be clear, even at the, with the title of it, the title of the quarter is education, right. but obviously we're talking about Christian, Christian education. Well, the title of the, while the quarter might be, t- uh, whole quarter is titled education, this introduction adds that adjective, Christian education, which... Yes. From a biblical uh, Seventh Day Adventist understanding, there, you know, I'm sure there are other ways to be educated, but the, what we're primarily interested in is a Christian education yes. uh, 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 in the fear of the Lord. Which again, back to that text in Proverbs 9:10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Yes. So, Mark, why don't you talk to us a little bit about this? What does this overview outline that we're going to be studying this quarter? Well, there are three things that I gathered from this introduction. Um, three important aspects of Christian education. The first is highlighted at the bottom of that introduction, page two. It's a little piece from, uh, and I'm not actually even reading the whole quote, but the end part of that from education, page 16. Last couple sentences on the bottom of page two says, to love uh, him, to love the Lord, the infinite, the omniscient one, with the whole strength and mind and heart, means the highest development of every power. It means that in the whole being, the body, the mind, as well as the soul, the image of God is to be restored. Mm. So the first point there is the purpose of education is to restore the image of God in man. We're going to see that in lesson one and, of course, throughout uh, the quarter. Um, The next thing is on the next page, it makes the point there in the first paragraph on page three, halfway through, it says the written word, the scriptures, is the perfect standard of truth the greatest revelation we have of who God is and what he has done and is doing for humanity, scripture and its message of creation and redemption must be central to all Christian education. So key number two there is that the Bible's got to be central in the work of education. It's the standard of truth. Okay. And then finally, the next paragraph makes the point 
that at the, at the very end, the last sentence, whatever else Christian education entails, it must obviously seek to help students better understand the light that God offers us from heaven. Mm. And so point number three, true education must help students understand biblical truth. And I meant to add to that in that you Yeah, we were point. talking about that earlier because there's one thing about understanding it or it's just in an academic sense having you know the knowledge of it. But the true understanding of the Word of God is to it is to weave it into the life, to apply right. it in ourselves. So, to be clear, Mark, when Sabbath school teachers or students dive into this quarter, they be, might be tempted to just go to lesson one, page six, and start from yes. there. But these a couple of pages give a very nice overview of some main ideas that'll be fleshed out as they go week through yes. week through this study. So I would urge all the Sabbath school teachers especially not to just have them open up and skip past those introductory comments, but spend a few minutes and talk about what we're going to be talking about, the big picture That's of right. this quarter. And one other thing that I should bring up is with every lesson we look at, and I don't know why this is different sometimes, but with every lesson we look at, part of the reason for the instruction is affirmation, but part of it is reformation. Mm. In other words, it's it's the tendency of humanity not to get closer to God, but to drift from God. And we, in fact, see, have seen that in the first uh, several lessons in this quarterly. And so in past quarterlies, we've pointed out, we talked about soul winning and evangelism. We spent a lot of time pointing out misconceptions and clarifications. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and, and there's encouragement for reform in the area of getting more active and more involved in evangelism. And I would just caution against it. It, it. It'd be very easy to, sometimes it's easy to pat ourselves on the back. We have a great education system. It's fantastic. All around the world. But yeah. just like every other area of the church, there are areas where we've drifted away from God's ideal. And what's unique about this lesson is it, it is put together by educators in the Seventh Avenue yes. Church. Yes. And, and so. Yeah. Well, to that point, you said it's put together by educators, but if yes. you look on page one, again, we've talked about this, there isn't a singular author, there's a contributor, and this time there's a team of contributors, That's right. where it's the, since it says principal contributor, and perhaps it should say plural, because yes. underneath it says Seventh-day Adventist College Presidents, plural. So they're not listed out by name, they're, we don't know how many there are, yes. or whether, but clearly these are higher education, people who have been familiar mm -hmm. with our educational process and their reflections of what the Bible teaches about education. Yes. So this is not, if there is speaking about our structural education system, this is not taking shots at or from the side criticizing. This is the goal of all of us, educators included, to get That's the right. highest ideals in all of our education. So That's right. And so in this quarterly, they bring out those ideals, and we need to be, as, as people living on the very borders of the eternal world, really, mm -hmm. We need to be looking at these principles and asking ourselves, are we still in harmony with these principles? Or is there reform that needs to take place in certain areas of education as in other parts of the church? And that's really one of going to be one of the greatest benefits of this quarterly is to learn from those areas where we can get closer to the Lord, closer to his ideal, right. and, and, and thus more successful in the training of in um, education of not just young people, but, but everyone, exactly. And I think that as we also go along, because we've already been going through several of these lessons, that there is rich discussion from the Bible, good instruction that we have that should be a reflection for all of us about yes. this education. So we need to dive into the lesson because our time is ticking away. You know? <laughs> it's funny when we, you know, the, the viewers don't see that we have a little clock here and it's counting down the time. I was like, well, the time is going away. Yeah. And, and even with talking points, we've shortened it up to try to see. I'm even wasting time right now. Let's dive into this I know, thing. Let's, let's get go. into it. All right. But 
uh, as we get started here, this is quarter four, lesson one, yes. and the title for this week's study is Education in the Garden of Eden. So yes. it gives us a chronology and a, a geography of where and when our education started, and it was yes. the very beginning, in the beginning, God created Yeah, and right there on Sabbath, it's summarized in the middle of Sabbath afternoon's lesson, Education, page 20, from the Ellen White, says, the, the system of education instituted at the beginning of the world was to be a model for man throughout all after time. Mm. As an illustration of its principles, a model school was established in Eden, the home of our first parents. The Garden of Eden was the classroom. Nature was the lesson book. The creator himself was the instructor. And the parents of the human family were the students. It's fascinating. Mm. I mean, we could spend the whole time talking about that. But it's, uh, it's kind of a given, in a sense, that this is the first... You know, Adam and Eve were newborns yeah. in a new world. <laughs> And this is the first example we have of an educational plan, and God put it together. Yeah, and though they were, you know, obviously they weren't born; they were created right. from the very beginning to be reflecting the image of God. Well, but even, but even in that original Edenic perfection, there was growth that God, the Lord intended right. for them. They needed to understand things more and grow in their under- right. concepts of God. So this lesson, we haven't outlined what our three talking points are yet. That's right. But starting from that Eden framework, what are the three lessons that we're basically pulled out of these seven days of study. You want to go over Okay, those? well, our three talking points are, very first and foremost, and it's touched on there on Sabbath afternoon, Eden taught the principles of true education. That's okay. what we just said. So we can go into the Garden of Eden, we can see certain principles that should be components of true education throughout. Right. Okay, all after time, Ellen yep. White said. Um, and I gathered that from basically Sabbath and Sunday afternoon's lesson, or Sunday's lesson. Key point number two... Um, deals with the importance of trust and authority in education. The lesson spends quite a bit. Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday's lesson all deal with that, and so we've kind of put those together. And and I think rightfully so, because there's a lot in that that's important. Yes. Yes. And then finally, key point number three, true education is the restoration of humanity to God's ideal, which we kind of saw in our introduction to the quarter, and we'll we'll expound on that a little bit. Um, And that is drawn from Wednesday's lesson. Okay. So let's... Uh, well, let's dive right in in the first one. one. Yeah. Eden taught principles of true education. So there were things that we can find in the Garden of Eden, as Mrs. White said, that would be a model and principles going forward, even after the fall, even to our current right. day, that we should derive from the Garden of Eden. So we shouldn't look at Eden as so distant that there's no application Or random. Today. It wasn't random, like, okay. oh, it just... Hit. You know, there was a, there was a purpose in there was everything some intentionality that, God did, yes. that God established there. Okay, so one of those that we talked about was quarter uh, the quarterly Sundays paragraph three. Yeah. Um, let's see. That's going to say uh, God gave man responsibility, but He also wanted happiness for him as well. Yeah, I, t- I flagged <laughs> that right when I yeah. first read it. I'm like, wait a minute, but they clarify, and I think made a good point as they continued there. And perhaps part of the means of giving him happiness was in giving him responsibilities. So which, which is kind of a chicken and egg thing. Which comes first, the well, responsibility or the happiness? It's also <laughs> counterintuitive today. Today, there's this mindset that happiness comes without responsibility. I'm going to retire early, and I'm going to live out my, the rest of my life doing nothing. Mm. But we find that meaningful work and responsibility was part of God's ideal plan. It's not a result of sin. Right. You know, like we, oh, Adam was supposed to work by the sweat of his brow. Yeah, but he still worked before. Exactly. And uh, his work was more pleasant, but there was responsibility sure. that was aided to his in Yes, his and, and sometimes I think that we can either see work as a punitive thing or disciplinary or, at the best, a, a 
redemptive like tool that God's got to work us back to the mm-hmm. and then we, then when we get to heaven, oh, yes. even restored. There's yeah. no uh, response when the reality is before there was sin at all. He was giving him tasks to tend to the garden to name the animals right. and on and on and on. So work is definitely part of God's ideal for us. So we, as Seventh Day Adventists, have tried to employ that in our educational system. That mm-hmm. we want, we don't want our kids in the classroom twenty four seven. We want there to be some element of, yes. you know, physical labor yeah. that helps Productive you develop. Stuff. Uh, and, and one of the things the lesson brought out, it, it, it also the, that labor helped Adam to develop uh, potentially. We, we, I don't know. I, it's hard to call latent skills in a, in a newly formed creature, but the yeah. whole idea is that um, so oftentimes that practical work will help a student to find where their aptitude is and help them to find a more meaningful direction in career or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So anyway, meaningful so work. So meaningful work was key. Um, another obvious one is communion with God. Yeah. We find that clearly in Eden. It's almost like... It's interesting how the, the Lord... Um, throughout that story was talking to the man yes. like he didn't leave him and then leave him clues for him to discover he would like <laughs> right. explain it he would walk him through and say this is what i want you to do here here and here and even after the fall we can get into this later though the lord comes seeking the man to help clarify and, and communicate that god That's is right. not only a creator but he's a communicator and that communion with god is key to our development and education that's right and so again that's a principle that we have instilled in our adventist education system and then finally, um, I called it a living classroom. You know, Ellen White talked about how Eden was the schoolroom and nature was a lesson book, etc. But there's a fantastic quote on Friday that just, uh, I can't explain all of it, to be honest with yeah, you. You'll see. we got to get into this. It's really I'm going to cool. just get pieces of it for, for sake of time, but I would include at least part of this in the lesson if I were teaching this. Uh, it's from Patriarchs and Prophets, pages 50 and 51. I'm jumping in a few sentences into the final, the, the last mm-hmm. paragraph. It says, The mysteries of yeah. the visible universe, the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge, afforded them an exhaustless source of instruction and delight. The laws and operations of nature, which have engaged men's study for 6,000 years, were opened to their minds by inf- the infinite framer and upholder of all. They held converse where we get conversation with leaf and flower and tree, gathering from each the secrets of its life. Now, I don't know what that conversation I don't know what that was. means, but I want to know. <laughs> uh, and then it goes on to talk about their interaction with the living creatures. I'm kind of jumping ahead to the sentence that says, God's glory in the heavens, the innumerable worlds in their orderly revolutions, the balancings of the clouds, the mysteries of light and sound of day and night, all were open to the study of our first parents oh. on every leaf of the forest or stone of the mountain and every shining star in earth and air and sky god's name was written the order and harmony of creation spoke to them of infinite wisdom and power uh they were discovering they were ever discovering some attraction that filled their hearts with deeper love and called forth fresh expressions of gratitude love it i absolutely love that paragraph <laughs> and think of like what we would put in the context well it what, speaks to how education will continue through eternity oh for sure it's exhaustless even for adam and eve it was exhaustless yes. and we're limited by That's the right. fall and all this stuff but i mean we're talking about botany and biology and astronomy and chemistry and yes. physics and mathematics you can't and everything they saw they were they loved to learn and it taught them more about the god who created those processes and structures and systems and uh, so the idea of this immersive classroom where it's filled with God's creative works, that it's not arbitrary and abstract and removed from, but it's it's a rich 
how do we put it in the in the lesson here? A living classroom. Yes. Right? Uh, and hopefully our education, as we seek to know and be more like God, is going to be surrounded by and immersed in all of his works. Well, I was going to say, ideally, in, in our system of Adventist education, we try to incorporate the works of God in nature, seeing God in history, seeing, you know, uh, Ellen White has comments about some of the study of history as, as removed from God. But we mm. want to see God's works in everything, and we yeah. see that lesson in Eden. So, key point number one, Eden taught principles of true education. Oh, and, and again, that's a, that's a theme that could take up a lot of time, but we need to move on to talking point number two. Yes. Another important element of that Eden education was trust and authority in education. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about this, Mark. What do trust and authority and, have to and do I with education? And I might have added the importance of trust and authority in education. You know, the, the, the lesson talks a lot about authority, and authority is this kind of bad word oh, anymore. Oh, it gets a bad rap, doesn't it? And so um, I've thrown the word trust in, not that it's not in the lesson. I, I honestly can't tell you off the top of my head. The, I, I read the word authority a lot. But what we're talking about, we read authority and we think authoritarian, kind of mm. stern and dictator-like. Almost dictatorial, but what the lesson is trying to draw out is when it talks about uh, the importance of authority. And again, Monday, um, Monday afternoon talks about the fall of man. Actually, Monday and I'm sorry, yeah, Monday and Tuesday, and then Thursday talks about false teachers and despisers of authority. But the idea of the fall of man is that God's authority was brought into question. I mean, in other words, mm. his. His trustworthiness, mm. his reliability. So we're not just talking about authority as, you know, he's large and in charge. Right, right. But we're talking about his credibility. Mm. You know, a teacher has to have, has to be recognized as an authority. When we talk about recognizing somebody as an authority, we're saying they're credible. They're worth mm -hmm, listening mm -hmm, to. They're mm -hmm. And if a, if a student does not regard the teacher as worth listening to, the teacher can't teach. It undermines all the education, yeah. And so that's what happened in Eden. And I like to call the... Uh, you know, Adam and Eve's distrust of God led to sin, and we talk a lot about righteousness by faith, right? Faith or belief and trust. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, in Eden, we find unrighteousness by faith. Mm. In other words, Eve trusted, had faith she in She had faith, but it was away from God said. into the serpents. Yeah. And so it's an issue of authority underlying it. Um, mm. Quarterly says Tuesday on paragraph four, her acceptance of the serpent's revision to the message requires some doubt on Eve's part about yes. God and what he had told them, and consequently some trust on the part of what the serpent said. That's true. And so he's becoming the new authority in the picture. Yeah, because up until this point, they had simply followed God's commands and lived in harmony with his principles and had happiness because of it. And then he introduces this seed of doubt, and now she's at a fork in the road. Do I trust what God has said? Or do I trust this? And that's really the essence of the fall, truly, is they stepping that's away right. from faith in God and putting your trust in something, someone else. And that's a disaster, honestly. So, uh, in true education, we need to have a, a true trust in God instead of that's right. a distrust of God. Well, that would lead and to in the teacher in the classroom. Okay. In the teacher in the classroom, there's got to be, the system has to foster a respect for authority. And our society today... Well, that is flamethrower language. I'm not sure why, but, well, you know, you know, part of it that we know that part of it is the devil has worked very hard to, to, to make people in positions of authority do stupid things. Mm. That has shaken our confidence in authority. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ellen White has a fascinating... I don't have it in here, but she has a fascinating comment about... Um, 
and in the context, I think she was talking specifically about when families go home from church and they talk about the sermon and the pastor yeah. they didn't like. She says when they do that, many parents are creating infidels at their own table because the children hear those arguments and they don't just lose respect for that pastor. They lose respect for all authority. Ooh. And so, see, yeah. the devil knows that that when if he can work through somebody of authority and, and get people to start talking negatively about authority in general, mm-hmm. then there's He's weaning this, the children off of a trust in God that should live, be there. Yes, yeah. and we live in the aftermath of that in our society. Our society Mercy. has very little trust in authority. We're defunding police right. and doing all this. And, and that's not, listen, I'm not at all in favor of, there needs to be more dealing with injustices and what uh, have course. you. But we have to be careful not to undermine. When you start undermining right. authority, you're undermining all authority. Right. And it has a, it has an impact that we see and again, in the church and society. and Not only has Satan changed in the how we if I put people in positions who have done dumb things so it hurts credibility of authority, but now the image is painted that authority means, as you mentioned before, authoritarian, like dictatorial power that you have to just bend the knee without any reason. But clearly, as this quarter is going to go on, we're going to see that the authority that God wants us to trust is one that is earned through character and demonstrated in That's love right. and, and self-sacrificing and all those kind of things. And so a proper regard for the structures of authority that God mm-hmm. has put in place is a key tenet of education. Well, and I appreciate what you brought out because authority does have to be earned to some degree. There, ha- In other words... Our system of education needs to foster a trust in authority, and part of a big part of that is those in positions of authority demonstrating need to the credibility, demonstrate <laughs> Christ likeness in right. their conduct to to garner that trust. Okay. Um, without it, you can't have education. That's that's the point. Well, and we talked earlier when we were reviewing this that you mentioned how principles taught by Christian teachers will inevitably be challenged by non-Christians right. in very convincing way. Flesh that out a little bit. Well, well, I mean, obviously, so we're talking about the importance of authority, and we got to keep in mind in Christian education, when we train our children about creation, don't think that nobody else is ever going to come along in their life. No, well, no... Uh, we've taught uh, them well, and that's the only exposure they're ever going to get. Don't no assume that, n- that, that some... Um, very intelligent sounding person is not going to ever approach our children. The mm. fact is they're going to meet with other authority figures who are going to sound very polished and appear very kind mm-hmm. and come across with things that are also very appealing to the carnal heart. Mm. And they're going to counter what they've been taught. And so the, the idea of establishing authority in the sense of that trust and respect for the teacher in those early years, is going to help to safeguard them against the false teachers. Because the false teachers, it's interesting, the, the Bible, the lesson brings out Second Peter 2 and verse 10, where mm-hmm. it talks about the false teachers, that, that whole section, he's, Peter's talking about false teachers, and he says they're despisers of authority. And, um, yeah. and the idea is that they're going to come in and bring, again, different ideas in, but it's interesting that the false teacher doesn't, despise all authority because he sure likes authority for <laughs> himself. He doesn't mind it when it's him. Yeah. So the false teacher tries to get, bring the authority to himself, but he despises those who are in position, positions of authority. He wants to yeah. tear them down to build himself well, up. Well, it's like Lucifer in the fall. The whole Very thing much. is like, I will sit on the throne. It's like, well, you have a problem with someone on the throne as long as yes. you're the one there. And so these false teachers, and, and that idea of despising authority, is it possible, because the quarterly brings this out on the last paragraph of Thursday's lesson, did... Did Eve despise the authority of God? Well, it's interesting to me because the lesson on Thursday says, last paragraph on the page, 
Though one could not say that Adam and Eve despised authority, in the end they chose to disobey that authority. And I thought, you What's know, the difference? <laughs> honestly, I disagree with that statement, and here's why. We don't, now the word despise, it sounds like, well, they really hate authority. Yeah. And we have this way of glossing over sin. And the fact is, if you disagree with, it, for Eve and Adam, Adam and Eve to disagree with God's authority, that's, from a biblical standpoint, despise doesn't mean hate. It just means to regard it as less important. Right. Tell me they didn't regard yeah, God's they authority as less important. Under they Satan. Put, that's a, that's yeah. exactly right. So that's a biblical and when despising. We, when, when we put opinions above God's word, mm. um, when we put opinions above God's prophet, we're despising his authority. It, what did you say? We were talking about Ellen White, and people say, oh, I don't hate Ellen White. I just don't agree with her. Exactly. It's like people can say, no, I build her up in this and this and this, except for when she comes to the authority. Well, then what's the point of even having the messenger right. if you're not going to disregard the message? That's exactly what this lesson is pointing out. Well, let's go to one final talking point for this week, uh, that true education is the restoration of humanity to God's ideal. Probably the case is there is a secular trend toward education is academic and intellectual development and pursuit of a career and establishment of wealth and security and stability in this world. But a Christian's view of education is bigger and broader and deeper. It's true restoration holistically. Well, and, and what's interesting is the lesson takes us from Eden through the fall of man. Mm -hmm. And and so this this point is, you know, from the beginning education was to help man to better understand God. What's interesting to me, and I put a note of it here in, in our outline, that the very thing Adam and Eve doubted has become the primary lesson of Christian education, the goodness of God. I mean, they mm. distrusted God. They were led to distrust God. And now that the purpose of education is to reestablish that trust that they may learn of God, behold God, reflect God, and, and by become, his grace become like brought God. back. Yeah. And what's awesome is, we're really God is 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 his aim is to restore humanity mm -hmm. to its original ideal, and it's just incredible to think you know how differently the Lord could have dealt with things. Mm. And so the purpose of true education, we we read it in one place. Wednesday's lesson, paragraph two, uh, it makes this point: if education before the fall was God's way of acquainting Adam and Eve with Him, His character, His goodness, His love. Then after their banishment, the work of education must be to help reacquaint humanity with those things, as well as recreate the image of God in us. Mm. That's a great statement. That's a great statement. So is there, uh, in the few minutes we have remaining here, there's restoration theme being central. Is there anything else we can say about that? Well, that we don't have a lot of time here, but in the lesson, when you're yeah. teaching it, I would take some time with Second Peter chapter 2. It goes, okay. to add to your faith, virtue, and virtue, knowledge, and knowledge. And what you see in that is a a progress. Ellen White uses that passage many times when she talks about parenting. Peter's counsel to parents. There's a little booklet at, uh, of statements of Ellen White. But the idea is, you see in that passage this step-by-step progressive education that takes place. And uh, it's a ladder of restorative growth. It ends with love, which is, the Greek is agape. You mm -hmm. know, it's basically, it's godliness. And then beyond that, there's still more to go. You see Peter talking about God taking man all the way back to mm -hmm. that original um, ideal. And so that that's a great passage to highlight it. And again, and that's 2 Peter a, chapter 1. 
Uh, yeah, I'm very, sorry. I think I said two. Yeah, I was just want to clarify that. But Second Peter chapter one, you can start there with verse five. Also, for this very reading, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self control, and, and there's a ladder yes. of development that's outlined in Scripture for our by God's grace, res- yes. restoration. And there's a great summarizing statement that I've added here from Education, page 15, that you could sure. conclude with. It says, Through sin, the divine, the divine likeness was marred and well-nigh obliterated. Man's physical powers were weakened. His mental capacity was lessened. His spiritual vision dimmed. He had become subject to death. Yet the race was not left without hope. By infinite love and mercy, the plan of salvation had been devised and a life of probation was granted. To restore in man the image of his maker, to bring him back to the perfection in which he was created, to promote the development of body, mind, and soul that the divine purpose in his creation might be realized, this was to be the work of redemption. This is the object of education, the great object of life. Fantastic. (laughs) I mean, just real quick concluding with what is the great (laughs) object of life? It is this restoration thing. That's right. And that's what education, true Christian education is about. Amen. Well, we hope that you have enjoyed this presentation. And more than that, you'll take these uh, talking points, use them as God leads you in your local Sabbath school classes and have a robust Sabbath school experience. But let's close now with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this redemption theme and for your willingness to be not only our creator, but recreator and to restore us into the image of God. Please, Lord, help us of all ages to be humble enough to learn of you and by your grace become like Jesus. For we pray in Jesus' name.